Ah, I wonder if this is working. Uh, uh, hey, um... Oh, wait, just a sec. Whatever. Both. Yeah, what? Yeah. Okay. We're, we're here with Miguel. Let me, let me fade out Adrian Ballou there. Can you even hear that? Nope. No, I can't. How about now? Now I can. Yeah. Okay, I'll turn it down. Yeah, and, uh, Big Electric Cat, Adrian Ballou. I can't even remember what I just played, because I was talking to uh, Miguel about this stuff, uh, about what we're going to talk about. What was it? Uh, Je n'ai vu plus d'accordion by Adele. Uh, before that, I don't even know what I played. A bunch of crazy stuff, some baseball music, because I got all... Uh, I got. I was missing baseball, so I downloaded some weird baseball music. Um a cover of uh, I Get Around by the Bakersfield Boogie Boys, I think, which uh, defunct band from the 80s. Oh, okay. We are recording. We are sending out. Let me turn that down so I'm not giving an uh, overdrive to my... Yeah, I tested this all out. Anyway, uh, let's do the... We don't have any uh, pre-show banter. How are you doing? <laughs> Pretty well. Yeah, um, how about um, uh, considering your um, your work situation? Is it is it uh, is it still affording you freedom rather than torture? It's still uh, affording me freedom. I have a job interview tomorrow. Oh, excellent! Know? Yeah, it's, it is because I I actually didn't uh, seek it. You know, they contacted me. You know, so let's see uh, how it turns out. You know, it will be. Nice to ha- start the new year with a, the, sh- the the security of a of a steady paycheck, one that hopefully will not hinder my other uh, pursuits. You know, per- the, my personal uh, projects. Yeah, yeah. I found a. Um... Wait a second. I'm going to go get it. There's going to be dead air, but I found this card yesterday. <laughs> No, it has one short quote from um, from a novel by Zane Gray, if people don't know, used to write uh, in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, I think, used to write novels about the Wild West. I mean, it was, they were just basically things you would see in Western movies. But I found this card yesterday, and I wanted to take a picture of it and put it up on my Facebook or something. Wait, let me grab it. I think you can hum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hum a song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should put a picture of it up just on the, it's just a, um, I saw it, I was looking for a birthday card for my dad and I found this card. It's just a picture of a guy on a horse, um, like a, a graphic and it's a quote from Zane Gray that says, I need this wildlife, this freedom. Mm. Um, nice. Yep. It, it chokes me up seeing that quote. So I'm just going to keep it. I had had it up in the refrigerator. Um, cause I do need this wildlife and this freedom or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I should stop asking people which, uh, which opening they want to hear. <laughs> Maybe the original. Eh, I still like the anti ATH one, but I keep opening with that one and let's just open with that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, hell, why not? Why not? Hey, who? <laughs> Get your hands up. Stand where you are. Don't move. Don't reach for them guns. Take it easy, you galoots. Put away the hardware and relax. What's Greg? Wrong one. Yes, go to one. <laughs> The whole extraterrestrial thing is not uh, not a viable solution to this. We, we need to go f- through a turning point in the study of, of this whole domain, away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by you know, aliens from this planet or that star. That may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work. I have this hunch that that this that this phenomenon is um, comes from, comes from some sort of domain of pure information, and the fact that it can interact with us at all suggests that uh, that we inhabit a domain that's also pure information. Are we uh, in good condition here? Yes. in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso? That one control that one. Oh, professional. There we go. That's cool. I can. Uh, I've never actually because I've got uh, what I told Miguel beforehand is I've got like uh, three computers going now through the board, and uh, now I can actually um, fade between the the guest and the um, the music source. So. How you been? Besides uh, your uh, j- uh, job interview tomorrow, uh, did you uh, um, have you been doing art and writing and stuff? I've been doing art. You know, stopped uh, writing and stuff a week ago. I, I finally uh, managed to complete this super duper secret project. We we probably shouldn't still uh, talk about, but people people will learn about it soon enough, I guess. Yeah, I finished that. I was uh, pretty happy with the result, and then I said, "I said to myself, well, I need to do illustrations for this, right? Because you know, I, I need to add some some of it, some 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 kind of like uh, I don't know, graphic comment on what I'm trying to describe." And yeah, 
I, I, I spend the rest of the week uh, doing art for that project. Hopefully, uh, our common friend will receive that and will approve it, and it, you know, it, it will be included into this into this project. Yeah, uh, Miguel's doing another, um, I hope, I guess, another uh, book uh, cover, which would be great because I think, uh, wake, wake up down there, right? Well, I, have, I, haven't, I haven't discussed that with our common friend. Oh, okay. And, and, and yeah, I would love to, to, to do the book cover yeah. for that project. Right, you know, not, not, not necessarily something that will resemble the art of uh, it defies language. Maybe it will be something a bit more graphic yeah more uh i don't know more sober i guess although you know if you're talking about ufos you know that ufos and sobriety (laughs) don't seem to pair up much (laughs) (laughs) and that's fine you know that's why we love it right yeah of course i mean i i think and I don't think it actually made it into the book, but I wrote something about UFOs are like they're they're like um, tunneling under the fence. Everybody built up all anomalies actually are tunneling under the fence that everybody, as we were growing up and everything we were taught and everything we we see at least maybe in the last few years, maybe not in the last year or so, but that they were telling us that that's not real. Don't worry about that. That's not. So it's basically just saying, Hey, everything's weirder than you think it is. So, uh, if you pay attention to us, maybe you'll have a little fun and be scared and be, and learn something or whatever. And that's why I like it. And yeah, (laughs) why should it be respectable? (laughs) Tunneling under the fence, both UFOs and El Chapo. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) UFOs are El Chapo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, they're 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 doing naughty things and they're not obeying the rules, and that's good. I mean, that's yeah. That, you know, there's no denying the the transgressional nature of all this stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, the 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 the, the thing that runs so uh, against the grain of what you said, you know, is, is what society deems to be respectful, that society deems to be re- uh, you know, sensible, reasonable, logical. You know, uh, uh, I think that is uh, that is an important aspect of this phenomena that people uh, don't don't seem to pay too much attention to. I mean, there's this there's this uh, 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 like movement or this effort to try to make. UFOs respectable and to <laughs> me that 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 is to me that that fail uh, that fails to 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 understand the whole point of it in my in my opinion. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this before or people have written about it that it once it becomes respectable or whatever you want, mm-hmm. once people think they understand it it's not going to there's a really good chance it's not going to be it's going to move on. It's going to move on to a, or something will move on to stay just out of our reach. Mm-hmm. Um, it will uh, evolve uh, as soon as uh, we think we know what it is. I, I've got this really strong feeling that it, it will evolve so that um, maybe we better look at how we look at stuff rather than what we think we're looking at, if that makes any sense. Well, the truth be told, I, I maybe I'm not paying too much uh, attention to it, to it anymore, but I don't see... Uh, that much uh, evolution 
on the part of the phenomenon nowadays. I mean, okay, after the whole abduction, you know, uh, hoopla, yeah, went out and died out in the in the late 1990s. And uh, keep in mind, folks, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't mean that the, the abductions have ended per se. Is that that they just are not uh, as probably cultural, yeah, front center. You know, they're they're not in the limelight anymore. Right. And after that, you know, there was uh, crop circles and all of that. And nowadays, I, I, I don't really see what has, like, what is the new shtick? You know, what is the new trend in 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 in, in ufology or UFOs? Is it is it more of the same? Is it uh, like are we in a down cycle? Perhaps are we in in in, in probably in, so, in something of a dry season of, of of UFO sightings, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe we are actually in a in a, in a flap. It's just that since we are in the middle of it, we just won't realize it until many years later. Yeah, maybe, but the. the I... The way things are now with the communication, if there is a flap going on, I think you hear about it right away. Um, mm-hmm. At least the normal one. There may be tons of flaps going on that have that that are tangentially connected, but people don't realize that such. They just think there's you know a lot of weird stuff going on. You know, there's a cl- what happened to the clown thing? What happened to that? It just went oh, away. Yeah. Um, you know, and was there a connection to other paranormal phenomena around that clown thing? I didn't hear too much about it, although I had one of those pop-up shows um, where we were talking about, uh, at least the uh, subject came up, you know, let's look at a map and see if there's any UFO sightings around there. And my guest at the time said, yeah, there's there's a few there. There's a history of them there. But then I was thinking, <laughs> you look at a map, there's going to be sightings almost anywhere. Um, yeah, true. So, you know, maybe when there is something going on, we don't recognize it as such, like you said, till later. Cause when you first said that a minute ago, you're like, nah, nah, and I was like, well, maybe we don't notice. Maybe you're right. Um, until later and until people's minds go, Oh, maybe it was this thing. Boom. It drops in that box and everybody starts talking about a flap. One thing that I, uh, I honestly, uh, feel that it's, um, becoming more prevalent is this acceptance of high strangeness. Into into both the UFO and and the other uh, paranormal fields, right? I mean, for example, I listened to uh, several podcasts in which they discuss uh, the work of uh, researcher Linda Godfrey, mm-hmm. who became very famous with all these sightings of uh, like werewolf-like entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a lot of that on uh, Coast to Coast when I've been working on there. There's been a few people talking about that. Sure. And, I, I, you know, 30 years ago, we, you didn't hear about uh, those cases. I guess most people, what they, what they will expect to see in the forest, you know, if they expected to see anything anomalous, would be, you know, uh, a Bigfoot-like creature, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of like giant, hairy humanoid, but not one that had you know, glowing red eyes and as the, the dog like snout, you know, and fangs and will be snarling. And then maybe, you know, it will like disappear all of a sudden. So I don't know. I think that, I think 
for my part, I think that's a good thing. I think that it's 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 healthy and it's good that uh, people are paying attention to those cases that used to be uh, in the periphery or you know clean or, out or uh, um, they had walls built up between them. Sure, they were thrown into the trash bin, you know, or deemed untrustworthy, you know, or they weren't sent into the loony bin, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, this is crazy, but this is too crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, I I think there's another thing going on with, with the acceptance. I think that, and you know, and I've been wheedling and and whining about this for a while, but. I think that our acceptance that there's less barriers means that there's less barriers. <laughs> Meaning, if we decide that there's less barriers, they will fall. If yeah, we true. think there's barriers, there won't. There will be them. They will be there. And I'm not saying this is kind of like this, you know, up with people kind of thing. It's just I. Th- think the way you think about something is the way it appears and the way you talk about it is the way it is uh, until somebody comes up with a new idea that catches on. And then that, especially with something that you can't really verify by, you know, repetition or anything like that or on demand, it's going to be what we think it is. Would you not yeah, say? I think there's a, there's a, there's an acceptance from the public, you know, that uh, there's all these things that, we really have no way to 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 put it into an adequate or a very defined uh, like mental box, perhaps you know the mental boxes that we've discussed for so many years. I think also maybe the, the uh, I don't know maybe it's the way that millennials they get around obtaining information, so they they, they, they uh, it's yeah. so free, right? It's so uh, without boundaries. Right? Yeah, you can you do, you can draw your own boundaries or or none if that you know if that's your your idea, which I think is the idea of a lot of younger people. I'm, I mean, I'm still stuck in this you know this older guy way of looking at it, saying, "Look how things are changing." And to people that are 20 years younger than me, they're just going, "That's the way it is. What's wrong with you?" Exactly. Also, the fact that you they can jump from one hyperlink, one web page to the other to the other, and they. First, they start researching a page about UFOs. From there, they go jump into a page about uh, Bigfoot sightings. From there, they go into a page, maybe discussing the stuff, uh, the, invest- the 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 work of uh, I don't know Dean Radin, all of that. You know, so I think that maybe that's a good thing. You know, because used used to be that people would go to the bo- their their bookstore of maybe buy. A UFO book once every month, yeah. and they will stick at it, right? Yeah. Or maybe they will be subscribed to some kind of newsletter, you know, and and the content they will be uh, uh, consuming will be directed and edited edited by by the editor of the of that newsletter, right? So now there there there's no one who can restrict whatever people want to delve into, you know, and, and I think on, on overall, you know, obviously there's bad things about that, but on, on the overall, I think that's a positive outcome. Yeah. Well, it's like saying that, uh, uh, more freedom invites craziness. It's like, well, the, you have to, that's a, 
hopefully, you know, that's the price you pay with more freedom is, is people not uh, people taking it a little too far and screwing things up and not doing it in a measured way. But the thing is, you know, a lot of us would rather just have the freedom of inquiry um, than having somebody say, you know, this is the way it should be done. And that's uh, that, another thing that worries me when people say, I've started this new group of whatever researchers and we're going to do it the right way. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, who, yeah. it's like people keep saying we need to have an organization that does things scientifically in the right way. It's like, well, who determines what that is? And I say, well, that's the, the scientific method determines. That's fine. But the science, if you're, there's two problems with that, especially the UFO things. There's hardly anybody that applies a scientific method to it without having a bias in the first place. Mm-hmm. And scientists yeah. do that too. That's fine. Yeah, and but that's more dangerous with anomalous stuff because it's not following the rules. And two, like I just said, it doesn't follow the rules. So you you can't make it a scientific organization. You have to make it a scientifically, I suppose, based or informed organization. But you have to allow for outliers and craziness and all that without getting excited about it or dogmatic about it. And that's really tough for people to do. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you know, trying to uh, get rid of as much dogma as you possibly can, you know, obviously without, you know, turning into uh, some kind of madhouse or something <laughs> so so messy or so unruly that, you know, nothing gets accomplished. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult balance, but I think that it can be done. It can be done, and I think it, it should probably be done, and I've said this before, too, and, and, and we've talked about it, it should be done quietly in the background with no ego, yeah. no um, publicity, anything like that. Things should be allowed to develop organically as they should with a purpose, and then when the, when the project is finished, you close the door and um, send it out into the world and say, here it is, this is what we did, this is how we did it, see if you can see what happens when you do that because yep. invariably it's going to be slightly different or way different. But if somebody can get sort of the same results or some result, then you've got something there. It's like Valet's thing of, you know, throwing something at the, the, uh, at the phenomenon to see what gets sent back, see what the feedback is. Cause then you have a kind of a idea of what it's, you know, the mechanism or the, f- whatever it is sending back to you gives you some idea of what it is. Yeah. or one one aspect of it or maybe how importantly how it interacts with people it's like we did this thing and we got this result like we tried to we tried to contact aliens and this was the result we got you know this this strange being that whatever and then somebody else does the exact same thing and they come out with something else but they still have something that seems to be verifiable some in some way that you know um that was a result not of a group delusion, but more of, you know, either a group mind or maybe even more importantly, if you like that model, something coming from outside of it. But, you know, the basic thing is just to have free inquiry by intelligent, you know, well, <laughs> um, well, well-grounded people that don't get too excited about anything. And that's in short supply, not not just the UFO thing, but and in, in, mm-hmm. in, in all areas, especially right now, people love to get excited about shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. And, and, and it will be great if you can assemble a group of people who have a completely different 
uh, ideas or perceptions or uh, even motivations uh, surrounding the, the the phenomenon. Maybe you have one a guy a guy who is a real hardcore you know scientific dude you know a very skeptic minded guy, but who is still open minded enough to try to entertain all these ideas. And you have a, a guy who is more into maybe new age stuff. And a guy who is more into an occult kind of like orientation, and a guy who maybe I don't know, you know, a hardcore nuts and bolts TTH guy, you know. Yeah. And you throw those guys, you know, at at least you could get a a a a, a fun reality TV show, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. the The only problem with that is you can have those people. They have to be a very special kind of person that doesn't take shit personally. Or get oh, that is so mi- difficult. Yeah, get mired in their own thing, just like you know, saying, "Well, we could do that." You know, it's it. You have to get a bunch of people who can compromise for a uh, common goal, and that's really hard. Yeah, especially yeah. with this weird stuff, because there's so much um, belief on both sides. There's non-belief and belief, um, and those sides pull against each other very hard, and it's really hard to find an excluded middle where you've got see. People saying, look, I don't think this is exactly right, but let me go along for the ride for a little bit, you know, giving my input and my uh, cautions or my suggestions or whatever. And let's all agree to do this thing, even though it doesn't reflect, you know, you know, 30% of it or 50% of it or 80% of it is not what I think. But interested enough to say, well, maybe something will happen. And, you know, and the most important thing is, probably people don't have to care if they're right or not what they're interested in is inquiry and an answer not an answer inquiry and not an answer where somebody is proven right like well see i was right about this and that mm-hmm. that's the ego thing mm-hmm. i guess i don't know maybe one way to accomplish that is that uh, you try uh, you don't let this thing become the sole obsession of your life. Yeah, that's the other thing. Got to be a group of people that have other things that say, I'm busy this week. You know, (laughs) I love it when, you know, when that happens, if you're in a group and somebody says, I'm busy this week, it's like, great, we'll see you next week. You know, (laughs) exactly. You're, You're right. I didn't think about that. It's difficult because if you didn't give a rat's ass about it, you know, obviously, it will be easy to to don't care right. if someone contradicts you. But at the same time, if you don't care enough, then you don't follow suit. You don't pursue it. You know, it, it's not a passion, yeah. and it has to be a passion. But it has to be a like a tamed passion, and that, and I guess that's the ultimate oxymoron. You know, yeah, <laughs> tamed passion. Yeah, it's 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 um yeah, it's got to be very. Like I said, it's hard to find those kind of people. Yeah. It's really hard to find those kind of people. I mean, I, I've, I've met a few in my, in, you know, being interested in this and they've become, you know, very close, fast friends because they're not stuck. And, you know, every once in a while they'll tell me, you know, that sounds like it's, uh, that doesn't sound very, that doesn't sound like it works. And then we discuss it and nobody cares. It's like, um, you have to trust each other like you're a partner, you know, you know, I'm not attacking you. 
<laughs> I yeah. am discussing the idea so we can come to a more, you know, a more perfect uh, methodology, conclusion, whatever about it. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to trust. I mean, this this happens in, when people are on expeditions and stuff. You have to tell, like, I watched a documentary on people going caving, uh, going underground. Mm-hmm. You have to have an almost uh, like, you know, almost like you're married to your 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 people that are you're working with because you have to totally trust them about whatever's going on. You're, you all have the same goal, but you always trust that the, 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 the uh, goals of the group um, are above any individual person's goal. It's like, we're all going to share this together. Um, and whatever little squabbles we have, have here are, are um, subservient to what we're trying to do here. Um, and, you know, when you're trying to climb a mountain or go through a cave or whatever, that it's very clear. But for UFOs and paranormal and all that, it's it's not as clear, which makes, like we said, a lot more difficult to find that fine line with people. You know, it, it occurs to me that another group of people who are the same way, you know, that they don't interfere, they don't let their personal quarrels, you know, with their with their teammates or their co-workers interfere with the, with the, with the job uh, are you know pilots yeah you know because you know you may yeah maybe maybe I'm not at hell with Bob because you know he cheated at cars last night or something but <laughs> <laughs> but still we still need to fly this goddamn thing you know the two of us together yeah I noticed this. When I was at about three weeks ago, I was out in the desert for the first time in months, actually, with a bunch of friends who um, are all ultralight pilots. And we're out there just flying, you know, flying around each other and just playing around and just doing the things that we do, just having incredible joy, just being free in the air. Um, mm-hmm. There are very definite political uh, lines in that, in that group. There are some lefty people, there's some righty people, there's some very lefty people, and there's some very right-wing people. Yeah. We talked about the election, and nobody got mad at each other. <laughs> Every when it, got, when it started to get really crazy, either somebody would either, one, walk away and come back a little later, or they would make a huge joke out of it and say, well, you're an idiot anyway. And the guy would say, yeah, well, you're an idiot. And then they'd crack up and have a beer. Which is wonderful. But the thing is, you know, it, everybody there realized you're just as crazy as I am doing this crazy thing. So, yeah. you know, and it, it, it affects us on a much deeper level than a political argument would. And I found that amazing and wonderful. And I wish, you know, I, you know, it would be nice if people would realize that, you know, we're all part of a, another team, like, you know, <laughs> trying to survive and keep from getting wiped off the earth or blow out the earth from under us or, or whatever you want to call it. But um, I, I didn't realize, I never really thought about that dynamic. And there's a pilot uh, a community up in Santa Barbara where I fly a lot. And there's people all over the map politically. And guess what? They almost never talk about politics. All they talk about is flying where to eat, just fun stuff like that. Occasionally politics comes up and nobody cares. It's amazing. They they all share a healthy sense of humor. Yeah, a sense of humor and the realization that there are things that are far more important than arguing politics. Politics is very important, but arguing with people to the point where you think you're going to convince them of something, stupid. Discussing with them 
about what you know your concerns are and maybe because I used to do this um, Paul Kimball he used to be a little bit more uh, right than he was now which people might find hard to believe but when I first met him he's <laughs> he was a little bit more conservative not a lot a little bit and we used to have conversations and neither of us ever got mad at each other mm-hmm. and it was great I mean it was just like it would be one thing we talked about and uh, it seems like that, like, you know, to get back to the subject, it seems like that's <laughs> when people have a certain belief in some one of their hobby horse in the paranormal, they get very emotional when somebody comes in and says, well, have you thought of this? Even something as simple as that. But usually it's like, you're wrong. You're full of crap. And then immediately it de- devolves into name calling and, you know, all that. Sure. The first person that calls somebody a name, I mean, it, that bang, it's over. The it's thing a, is, is that... The reason why with ufology it, it evolves so quickly into name calling mm-hmm. is because there is no real uh, peer review process within this field. And there can't I mean? be. Yeah, probably there never will be. You know, I mean, there, it's not a science. You know, yeah. I, I, I and I don't think it should be a science. Uh, but at the same time, you know, with uh, scientists are, you know, that is probably the reason why they are. They're so highly opinionated is because they are they are used to tear the work of their co- their peers apart. You know they're trained to do that. You know it's 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 part of the scientific method. Yeah. You know and 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 the people who gets like contested or, or who gets criticized, they know that they have to put up or shut up. You know I mean let let the results uh, talk for them. Yeah, and you right. can't do that with a paranormal. You just can't. Yeah, that's a problem. You know, you you have a, a like a, a pet theory. Mm-hmm. You know that you uh, you proposed, and you say, "Oh well, I, I was wow, look at me. You know, I'm so smart. <laughs> I, I'm the first guy who who thought about X. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe you guys, some people in in the paranormal will say, "Oh my gosh, you're so right. You know." X is the answer, yeah. And there are some, there are gonna be guys who say, "Well, yeah, you're so full of shit." You know, X doesn't explain anything, right? <laughs> and then it, it it devolves into into a, a, a you know into a, a shouting match. Yeah, and that, and that's all it becomes. In fact, I I realized this and learned this for myself when uh, UFO Mystic was online. Um, I got to the point where I thought, and you know, and having my uh, having forums on my uh, not forums, but basically comment threads on the Writing Mysteriosa site. There's been a couple of times where people have come on. It's like one guy came on and said that you know, I said called Paul Kimball something. I can't remember what it was. Um, and I said, look, you can disagree with them, but if you're going to call names, you're banned immediately. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and go back and forth and try and stop fights. That's not why I have this site. Um, and I said, I don't want an apology. I don't want to hear from you again. Just stop it. And it stopped. <laughs> yeah. So, Good. And, and the same thing with UFO mystic, as soon as somebody called me a name or somebody name, I'd say, okay, now, you know, that, that the discussion is over. I, I, you've, you've, You've you've let it become emotional, or at least obviously emotional. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing left to say because this is just going to devolve from here. The the first person that uses says you know maybe not uses profanity, but 
that's that attacks the person personally like gives yeah. what's the word ad hominem attack that's yeah. it that that's that that's the end of the discussion i i think i mean some people might think it's not that big of a deal i think it's a big deal that's just my yeah i agree too how i, I run things yeah it's you're only looking for an excuse to go after the person uh, himself or herself you know to, you don't really care about what what it's been trying to uh, to be proposed, yeah. You know, in, the, in the discussion, and you know, there's also ideas that, in the end, tend up to be wrong. Yeah. But I still feel that there are ideas that, even if they are wrong, but they manage to get people to think about possibilities they never entertained before. That, to me, has a lot of merit. And one example I could, I could give is uh, Terence McKenna's uh, his time wave zero theory. You know, the idea he, that he proposed oh, yeah. that, you know, that there was going to be some kind of singularity or event that will coincide with the end of the Mayan calendar on the, December 21st, 2012. And, well, that apparently didn't happen and i say apparently because well i, I don't know maybe a hundred two thousand years from now you know all the sentence will look back and say oh yeah you know things really did change by that time only not the way you know our ancestor expected it yeah six years later the world was destroyed by a nuclear war and you know <laughs> well i mean you know four years later you know we shouldn't talk about politics, but goddamn, look at what happened this year. So, yeah, in in many places all over the at least the Western world, in many many places, many mm-hmm. many things have changed. I mean, the 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 world. It's fair to say that the world in 2016 is completely different from the world in 2012. Just four years. Yeah, insane. Yeah. So maybe Terence was right. <laughs> Maybe he was right. Maybe he, there's there's definitely been an acceleration, you know. But I think that his mistake was, you know, maybe giving it giving it a a, a definite uh, date, yeah, or trying it to force it into coincide with 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 the Mayan calendar. I don't know. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about when people have a discussion, and I really have to watch this with myself. A lot of times, a discussion or a debate is you waiting for the person to finish so that you can say something. And when you're doing that, you're not listening to them. Sure. And that happens to me a lot. Yeah, it happens to me. In fact, we're sitting here talking. He's like, I'm going to mention that. I'm going to wait and listen to what Miguel's saying because we're having a conversation here. (laughs) So I would like to, you know, uh, I'd like to think that, I can do that. I can. I have that, you know, check on myself. It's like, look, let me listen to what the person's saying at least. You know, I went through one marriage, and th- this is, you know, one of the problems when people are in relationships. You don't listen to the other people. You're just waiting to make your point. They might say something very important that ha- that will completely change the conversation or stop the fight or whatever, and you're not listening for it mm-hmm. because you're just going, I'm going to say this thing that I'm, you know, I'm going to prove that they're wrong and I'm right. It's like, you know, you, you <laughs> That's not a, that's not a discussion or even an argument. An argument should have an end where you know there's some resolution. 
a decent argument. And if you're not listening to the other person, it's not an argument, a debate or anything. It's just two people yelling at each other. Yeah, people are just waiting to say something really witty, you know, and then drop the mic. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because, you know, having your beliefs and your opinions and all that challenge is, it's not, it's not nice. It's painful. And sometimes you're wrong. You know, I had a girlfriend one time and she said, I said, what do you write every single time? And she said, yes. Jesus. I said, that is impossible. That means you're a deity. That means you're God if you're right every single time. She said, I didn't say that. I just said, I'm right every single time we have a discussion. I was like, that is impossible. If you're right every single time, why are we not living, you know, why are we not living in a mansion with, with five airplanes and stuff? That doesn't make any sense. So mm-hmm. I'm just using that as a, you know, a sure, sure. example. It, it's why on my Facebook page, the quote I have is that the mark of a basic shit is he always has to be right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you always have to be right, then, you know, it's, you'll just, you, you turn into a fossil you know, or whatever, or your brain does. Anyway, I, yeah. I think, uh, uh, do you want to mine that one anymore? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> We still have like an hour and a quarter. I don't think we can talk about Arrival for an hour and a quarter, but we can make a stab at it. Sure. We probably need like four episodes. Need what? Need like five episodes in order just to tackle, you know, like scratch the surface of how many things they managed to to get inside the, the movie. I was really impressed as how well uh, it managed to translate, you know, from, from the short story, yeah, uh, story of your life, uh, written by Ted Chiang, yeah. uh, which was you know, really, really awesome. The first time that I, that I read it, it blew my mind and I was really surprised at how man, how well, you know, the, the, the producers and the director and all the, the actors managed to translate all these really big ideas, you know, really, you know, whoa ideas into a, a motion picture. And a motion picture that is also actually enjoyable, you know, has action. Fortunately, there wasn't a lot of, you know, stupid jokes, you know, like, oh, you know, like try to dumb it down. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was amazing how a big idea movie like this managed to get get uh, green lighted by, yeah, no uh, shit. by a Hollywood studio. I mean, you know, it's good. Yeah, um, I, I will tell people that if you haven't seen the film and you don't like spoilers, don't listen, because I don't want to say, oh, well, there's going to be a spoiler, so we're not going to talk about that. I want to talk about <laughs> it absolutely freely, because uh, um, I think... Uh, I can't remember I first heard about it. It might have been from Josh Cutchin. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's the one that sent me and probably you the, the a link for the uh, the short story. So it's like, you know, mm-hmm. if you put it in a PDF, I guess it's like, what, about 30 pages. Um, yeah. And if you read it first, you know, like you said, your mind's blown because it, it pushes all my buttons because it's, you know, it's aliens. Okay. It's. Um, how, how language, um, yeah, that Sapir Wharf hypothesis, um, it's how language affects how you think and how you see the world. Um, because all you have are the concepts that your language gives to you. Um, 
the idea that maybe and the idea that more importantly that somebody else <laughs> their language may be and the way they think about things may have nothing to do with how you do that and if you try to communicate you're just making noise at each other and it doesn't make any sense to either of you and the possibility for uh what's the word for misinterpretation is very high um and the yeah. the other thing about it, especially for the from the movie's point of view, because the story, you know, it's just a story. You don't have any expectation from a story. It's just like, uh, you know, wow me. Um, but from a movie, the expectation, like you said, is you know, oh, it's aliens invading. Where are the where are the explosions and the and the love story and the you know, there is a love story in this one, but it is so not typical. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, yeah. you, you don't even see the development of the love story. The love story is completely, it is after the movie's over. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. You just see little hints of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is great. I mean, it was handled very well. I, uh, I was amazed, like you said, that it was, nothing was done in a typical way, really. That, that I can tell. The only thing that the only thing that vaguely bothered me is you got to sort of see. You didn't even completely see the aliens. They're just kind of like in some fog, and you can pretty much see what they are, but not exactly. Because in the story, they're described very specifically, and they sort of resemble what was in the movie, but not exactly. Yeah, not exactly. The 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 heptapods in in the story, they have seven. They have a completely uh, seven sided uh, symmetry. And including seven uh, eyes, seven sets of eyes that were symmetrically uh, placed on top of their head. And therefore, you know, the way they moved, they really didn't have like a, like a, the, the way like forward and backward, the, the same way that we will regard it because we only have two, uh, 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 two eyes and it, they're placed on only one one side of our skull. Yeah. Therefore, you know, four yeah. worthy is the yeah. That's capitulating our yeah. That's capitulating our one how we think of things and two everybody's language is based partially on that too. Exactly, and and it was great how they they pointed out, you know, without being patronizing about it, how when communicating. Uh, context is everything. Yeah. You know, you may know the words, you know, you may know, you know, you may know the grammar and, and as someone who can uh, speak in two languages, you know, Spanish, which is my mother's tongue, the one I was brought up in, and English, the one I, I have uh, struggled for so long to try to, to learn and master, and I can tell you, you know, with, with, without context, uh, language is kind of defeated. You know, you 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 hear uh, an English-speaking person saying, "Hold your horses," <laughs> without knowing the context or what the the real meaning behind the the the, the phrase. You know, you get lost. You know, it, it's utter confusion. Yeah, and you have all these little little things and and that's and that's from two uh uh human languages yeah you know that, that were created by the same species only on different geographical locations and, and, and locations that 
had a, a slightly different history. Yes. I mean, not, not tremendously different. I mean, the history in France is not that different from the history in the United States. Otherwise, if you went to the United States, it would be a completely alien world for, for, for a Frenchman. But it does. It's not. So no. no. With, you see all of that, and then you go and translate to, okay... So what what would be like to really get in, in contact and try to communicate with a, a truly alien species? Yeah. And this guy Ted Chang is the one who I feel really tackled it and say, well, wait a minute, you know, we think it's going to be so easy, but it's going it's really not going to be that way. And forget about forget about a different biology. Forget about the fact that, you know, it's a culture that may have been, you know, developed maybe on a, a completely different time lapse. I mean, you know, uh, maybe millions of years yeah. of different evolution. The fact that, you know, these other alien species, and here's the kicker of, of the story, folks. <laughs> maybe these other species doesn't perceive time the same way we do. And that really throws a goddamn monkey wrench in your attempt to try to establish the simplest of dialogues yeah. with an alien. Yeah. And the the other cool thing about it, which came out in the story and was made, it was very subtle in the movie, is that when, you know, I can't, Dr. Banks, I guess, Amy Adams' character. Yeah. You think while you're watching it, that the aliens are performing some kind of mind control on her and making her experience time differently. It's not. It's the language. It's the language. The yeah. language is, she starts to understand the context of the language and how it's put together, and she starts experiencing time differently. And the other thing is they're not, the other, the other thing is I, there's that one scene where they get, um, there's a, that explosion, and they're basically protected the aliens protect yep. them from being from from something that was was directed at the aliens mm-hmm. because their aims have nothing to do with blowing things up or doing anything like that. It's like, you know, stop this right now. We got something very important to tell you. And also because they're intimately connected in and they're trying to save themselves, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's very important. They found out that things work out properly. Um, you know, the, the thing is the, the, the main question at the end, it's like, she says at the end, it's like, you know, if you had your life to live over, would you do it? Or if you knew, that's it. If you knew what was going to happen in your life, would you do it? You know, what, what would you do? And that's basically what those aliens gave to her. It's like, things are going to happen this way. Even if you know, it's going to happen, it's okay. It's the way things are supposed to happen. It's just that it's, you know, it's horrible knowing beforehand if something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it and it completely changes your your feelings towards it. You know? And it, it, you you know people that know they're going to somebody has a terminal illness, that rearranges your mind very quickly. And I think yeah. it, it's a little taste of, you know, what was going on in this woman's mind, the character's mind that the the the, the way the aliens gave this, I don't know if it's a gift or whatever, but I guess I recognize she's, I guess she could have been her as well as anybody, but she figured out the language. So she was the one that got the, you know, she was the key. 
Yeah, and like you said, you know, the the aliens, uh, they uh, they give this to her and the, to humanity, and and for the aliens, it's a gift. And if you see into our uh, classic tradition, to be able to foresee the future, it has been always regarded as a curse. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the idea that you know what, no matter what you do, you know, there's fate written and you can stop all these horrible calamities from happening and and therefore it's a curse you know because i don't know maybe maybe is uh the the way that humans try to to dictate like their own their own path their own their own uh their own journey you know it's the ego thing you know that is so paramount in Western society, you know that yeah, no, I I am the master of my destiny, you know. Yeah. No, no one, no, not the stars, not the not the gods, no one but I, you know, say what will happen. And you know that, that there is this aspect, you know, very Eastern-like that happens in the movie of uh, surrendering. Yes, you know that accepting it and welcoming it, you know, with open heart open arms you know this the, both both the both the good and the bad because yeah you, there's realization that everything happens you know it has to happen and will happen you know mm-hmm. and you know you go with the flow yeah and the thing is that it, you know it, you talk about it in past present and future and the, the way that those the the, the heptapod aliens in the they don't experience it as past present and future my idea is they don't experience time. It's just kind of like everything's there and they're, yeah. you know, Oh, it's, it's funny. One of them said that the, I think that explosion killed one of those aliens. Cause they, you know, he's the, she comes in and says, where's the other guy? And he's, they, he says he's in his, he basically says he's dying. Yeah. But there's no, you know, like you asshole or we're going to get you back for that. Exactly. It's just kind of like, well, that was going to happen, and we knew it was going to happen, but we still had to come here and do this thing because it, it's it's the way things work out. Um, and it's not like we have to do it because it's the way it works out because we're stuck, and it's like it's like you said, it's an acceptance. The other cool thing that I just thought of is their language, their written language is in circles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you thought about crop circles or what? No, not that. That we're talking about time and they're not being a circular version of time and the way everything is. It just never ends. It's just this circle and you're just somewhere on that circle. Yeah. So it's very significant. And I don't even know if they, in the, in the story that it actually isn't circles. It's just like the impression I got was ink blots. I don't know. I don't remember. But if it wasn't and they managed to do it this way, it was genius on part of the production, another another stroke of genius that I uh, I, I think the uh, the movie made because it wasn't in the story. You know, obviously in, in the in the movie, I think they they decided that they had to make a, like a bigger deal about the the, the geopolitical ramifications of right. having you know aliens arriving to Earth and everybody going, oh my god, you know. Especially people with guns, you know, people, people with a lot of uh, medals on their suits, you know, getting nervous and, and saying, you know, what the hell. So what I 
felt was a stroke of genius. And when I saw this happening, I, uh, I, I immediately thought of you, man, is when uh, by the end of the movie, and like we said, guys, you know, a lot of spoilers here. By the end of the movie, Destroyed. there's this, like, the, 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 the head of the Chinese army yeah. going to thank uh, uh, Dr. Banks and saying how he will never forget the time that when she called him to tell him the dying uh, words of uh, uh, the, the words, the last words of her, of his dying wife. Yeah. And at that moment, he tells her it's like in that moment what the, the the thought that crossed my mind is oh my god he's closing the loop yeah yeah the, the thing that people who are into remote viewing keep uh, <laughs> yes, telling exactly. that is so important yeah and yeah. It's like, yeah and it's a like closing the loop of course I, I don't even know if they're aware of that when they were writing the script I don't know I don't know but if it, if they weren't you know so much the better yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, and then the, at first I was kind of, you know, it took me a couple of minutes to realize what was going on there. He was telling her what he was whispering in her ear. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's he whispering in her ear for? Oh, <laughs> it's what she's telling him on the phone. Mm-hmm. Right at that, at the, at the same time in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best movies that messes with time that I've seen so far. I mean, the last time was some, you know, well, there was Kurosawa and then, you know, a bunch of and then uh, what's it? Memento did that. Um, certainly, uh, um, uh, Interstellar did a, did something of that. You know, a lot of people didn't like Interstellar. I enjoyed it. I still haven't seen it, oh. but uh, oh god damn it, Greg! So I will not spoil <laughs> this one for you. But there, there's a lot of these. Tarantino. That's how I was trying to think of. Um, certainly, and, he and, did it. But I think that Arrival did it in a, I don't know, maybe even more poetically than Interstellar, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, well, it's, it was poetic and um, sophisticated and subtle in a way that if you're, subtle, yeah, yeah. if you're engaged with it, it's not hard to pick up. At least mm-hmm. it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. But then again, I like I said, I, I preloaded myself by reading the story um, and realized what yeah. was going on. You know, and when something was coming up, I would start giggling. It's just like, oh my God, this was part of the story. This is wonderful. Yeah. When I left the theater, I had to wipe my eyes. <laughs> wow. And no, the other, th- the, go ahead. The, the, the first um, scenes of the, of the movie were very powerful for me. You know, how they screwed up with your sense of perspective. I felt like entombed, you know, when they were going up into, into, into the, the what they call the shell, you know, the alien ship, you know, the fact that they decided not to portray it, you know, as some kind of like yeah metal construct, yeah. you know, it almost looks like a like some kind of like bored down meteorite or something, and and how you know say oh well they go going up and oh wait a minute you know gravity shift so now they're walking, I love that you know the these fuck your sense of perspective. You know, we're going to fuck yeah. with everything you think that you know so well, you know, that up, you know, up is now down, down is mm-hmm. now up, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday is now tomorrow, you know. 
I think Stanley Kubrick is somewhere blessing them from another dimension. Yeah, truly. Truly, yeah, obviously, the, the fact that they decided to put uh, the alien ship, like, standing up, I felt was some kind of homage to to, to his monolith. <laughs> you know? Yeah. To me, you know There's what it some... looked like to me? Is it looked like just a piece of modern art. Yeah. Non-representational it's... modern uh, art uh, sculpture, but it was, you know, 1,500 it... feet tall. Yeah, the fact that it's not, not even touching the ground, you know, it's like, there and how they were calling that you know that they didn't like perceive any kind of disruption from from them from from this crap you know they weren't emitting any kind of radiation you know no. any kind of sound that to me was so interesting and and, and how they portray how the the, the 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 ships ultimately live i also think that was very very well done oh yeah yeah, and I'm getting emotional again because it was so subtle. Just kind of like, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, they're going to zoom into the air now. They didn't do that. No, <laughs> no. It actually reminds me of a few uh, videos, you know, that are they're still, you, you can find them on YouTube, you know, that yeah. there uh-huh. seems to be some kind of solid object in the air. And then, you know, it's like, it's like surrounded by steam and becomes some kind of like uh, some kind of ghost cloud like formation. And then the, the formation evaporates and like, well, well, what the hell? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, there, there's another spoiler for everybody, but yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> and you, th- you don't know what they're going to do. You know, it's like, are they going to destroy things? Are they going to, no, they just kind of go, yep, that's what we had to do. So, um, that's it. Bye. <laughs> Not even a buy. Mm-hmm. Um, except to, you know, um, the, the, the linguist, uh, Amy Adams, Banks, Dr. Banks, they, they, basically give her a buy because they're just like you know we're running out of time here let's just take care of what we need to with it or actually she said we're running out of time here sure they didn't do that they knew what was coming <laughs> exactly. for the, yeah for them you know there's no time you know it's always the same it's in a way i remember when i read uh the story it reminded me a lot of uh Kurt Vonnegut's uh, Slaughterhouse Five. Yes, know? Carlos just said that on the uh, a couple minutes ago in the um, f- uh, forum at uh, in the chat thing at uh, at the at the site. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, good on you, Carlos, because I completely agree. You know, I felt that the aliens, uh, the way they portrayed, you know, the, t- the the time perception of the aliens in that novel and in this uh, short story and in the movie, where was very very similar and it also reminds me of even things that people like Whitley Strieber have said you know that this is actually the way that the visitors uh, perceive time like imagine you were holding a, uh, uh, the seed of a tree in your hand you know if you look at it you know there's that's just a seed but to a visitor according to Strieber they will not only see the seed, they will also perceive the tree that will uh, sprung up from the seed. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the wood that will, you know, be cut off from the tree once it died. And, you know, the chair almost like that will be like uh, built from the wood of the, of, of, of the tree that was from, that, that grew from the seed and so on and so forth. 
so forth, you know. It's almost like the, the, the same way that Grant Morrison say, says in that uh, famous video at the Sinfocon <laughs> that every living thing in this universe is a worm. If you see it from the vantage point, you know, if you are not bound by the constraints of, of the fourth dimension being time, you know, if we were like outside of time, you will see every living thing as these like worms, you know, worms that would be moving back and forth, almost like those classic depictions, you know, of uh, uh, Hindu art, you know, when they see, they show the cycle of man, you know, the, from death and rebirth, you know, the, the, the baby that grows into a little boy and then grows into an adolescent and then an adult, then a feeble old man, the man then the man dies and goes all over again, again and again and again. So yeah. that will be the way that we will see things if we weren't like uh, bound by, by, by our perception of time. And who knows? Maybe if humans created some kind of language, you know, like the way that it's proposed in this movie, maybe our perception of time could also uh, change. Yeah, most That's definitely. There's some mm-hmm. uh, there's some uh, comments here on the Radio Mysterioso um, chat uh, app here. Uh, Serena said that the mm-hmm. uh, the ship looked kind of like a seed. Very strange because you just started uh-huh. talking about that. Um, so she's psychic. Uh, Carlos, it was not a steam or mist or fog. It uh, <laughs> not not steam, but Mister Fog. See you in three thousand years. Um, uh, oh, and Serena also said, "I wish I could read the book Doctor Banks wrote about the language." <laughs> oh yeah, me too. So I, I answered. I said, "Maybe somebody will write it in, in connection with the 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 movie. Maybe they can get Ted Chang or um or a linguist to write it." I, I actually I did an article years ago for um Forty and Times about alien writing and I interviewed the guy that had um created the Klingon language. Um his, ah. Mark Okrand was his name, O K R A N D. And um I asked him how he did it and he said, Well, <clears throat> you know, we had to have context, we had to have you know, we had to have a sentence structure, we had to and basically he said, Look, you know, it it has to be something that is sort of related to the way we think about language, otherwise it's not really a language as we perceive it. So he had to make a language that made sense in in con in in a human context, even though it was supposed to be an alien language. Um but he did sure, you know, he now, did the whole thing. But now the interesting thing would be, you know, if he guys, if the guy is still around, if he is, is, is still alive, you know, <coughs> after yeah. so many years, to see if there's been some changes in his psychology after creating this language, you know, maybe he became more like warlike, warlike, you know, now that he's able to speak Klingon, you know, <laughs> you know, he's more like, you know, territorial every time that, you know, the, Someone invades his lawn and he starts like, something like that, you know? Yeah. And he, you know, throws out his Klingon sword or something, you know? And before that, maybe he was a bit more mild mannered, you know, or more peaceful. Yeah. Well, like in the, you know, in, 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 sort of to get back to the movie, everyone, the things the the language starts affecting her in a very subtle way, and she starts seeing things that you think are the past, but they're not. 
Mm-hmm. And it's made clear in the in the the uh, in the story when you read it that she is remembering the future. Mm-hmm. And that's re- yeah. That, huh? Remembering the future that's that's prophecy. You know that's 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 what the prophets used to do. You know, and and apparently. I remember Michael Hanks, you know, he's very interesting into all these sort of things, you know, he yeah. he discusses how Stephen Hawking will talk about the arrow the arrow of time and how the reason that we perceive time going into an arrow apparently is because of entropy, you know, because conservation of energy, you know, and that's because that is the way in which, you know, energy moves into entropy and is probably the most energy conserving way in which you know consciousness perceives time but maybe you know that maybe if you go sideways yeah in a tangent yeah yeah you move out of that move out of that loop yeah it's like it differently yeah it's like the it's like that uh flatland book Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm where we're in three dimensions and all we, you know, we look down at the two dimensions. We see, you know, we, we see squares and triangles and all that, but the things that live in the two dimensions in the two dimensional world, all they see are lines getting bigger and smaller Yeah, as we move through their two dimensions. Yeah. And in traditional physics, you know, the way that they taught it to me when I was in high school, if you, uh, Take for example the the, the apple or uh, the apple that is the, the the example that they use in Flatland, you know, the apple that is the visitor from the third dimension. The moment that the apple is when it's uh, up, you know, looking uh, at a certain height, it is positioned at a certain height from Flatland. Yeah. Uh, traditional physics will tell you that the apple has attained uh, potential energy. Yeah. You know that that there, there's been an increase of energy. You know, not necessarily. You know, it's not that the apple is now you know hotter. You know, or is bigger. Is that from the point of view of, of Newton, Newtonian physics? Yeah. In order or being to, further okay, from the center of where the gravitational pull is. Yeah. Exactly, because then you throw the, the 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 apple, you know, if you throw the apple from, you know, four inches off the ground, the energy that is released will be less than if you throw it from, I don't know, a hundred feet from the ground, you know. Right. So, I guess what I'm going with this diatribe is that <laughs> maybe if you manage to go into a position into into in which you have more energy you know uh, and that's that's the way in which you manage to 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 view the system in a different way you know i mean uh i don't know if that uh, uh gaining of energy will be because of we that we create uh, a new kind of technology or a new kind of like uh, of uh, or is the result of our industrialized civilization or just i don't know it, maybe the the simple thing thing of of uh, uh consuming a psych- psychedelic substance creates all these releases of endorphins or or 
chemical compounds into your brain, and that will be akin to 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 adding potential energy into your particular system. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. And I listen to most of that because I'm trying to read these things. I should have a producer, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I I, I gotta gotta go into co- coast to coast and tell them, can I borrow one of your producers here because I want to be able to read all the messages. <laughs> um, uh, Steve, our friend Steve from uh, Dallas, sports coaches and other mentors already see people in four dimensions. <laughs> That's right. This kid's going to go nowhere fast for a few seasons, but he'll mellow by age 25 and stay top 10% for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Go Rightly says he just tuned in and heard the alien, about the aliens in Slaughterhouse-Five. Didn't they look like plungers or something, or am I thinking of something else? I can't remember. You know, when I read Slaughterhouse-Five was, I think I was 13 when I read that, or 10 or something. I've, oh, I read it, you know, just a few years ago, you know. It's one of the benefits of you know, uh, reading things that are not your original language, that uh-huh. like you get permission to read things that you were supposed to read when you were younger, you know, that eh, you don't give a fuck. So you read it, you read it as, as an adult. And as an adult, I loved it. Yeah. I, I, maybe I better read it again or just get a, you know, audio book or something while I'm, I'm driving somewhere. And listen to it. There's got to be an audio book of it. I don't know if, if Vonnegut. Oh, there it. is. Uh, I remember Mike Cleland uh, um, sharing a snippet of uh, of the original audio book of Slaughterhouse Five, and you know the aliens. The the boys that they use was this uh, uh, Mexican Mexican actor, the one that portrayed. Uh, the Emperor in, in, in David Lynch uh, Dune oh, really? movie. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> you know, so he had a really, uh, a really rich, you know, very refined voice, you know, so it translated very well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the what was the term, planet called? Tralfamador or something? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. I do remember that. <laughs> It's and the other the uh, alien voices in the movie aren't something you'd expect either. They just sound like rumbling. Well, I mean, to our ears. In, in the, uh, you're talking about the the arrival movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know, they res- they reminded me of whales, you know, and I guess they will say, oh well, you know, let's go with whales in in which you portray uh, uh, a sentient being that happens to be really, really big, you know. I think that was a, a, an obvious choice. Maybe they could have, you know, tried to do something a bit even more daring, you know, more unexpected, more weird. Maybe. But, you know, God knows what could have worked, you know. I don't know either, but I think that if they did anything else, that the... the the subtlety and the and the and the uh, the the touch of the movie would have been different. The idea was that the lang- and they, you know they make reference to it. The lang- the spoken language is different from the written language. Yeah, very important to the the story. Very. But the fact that they did not concentrate on wowing you with some kind of weird alien language that's going sure is I think was the right decision. Yeah. Also, the fact that they don't. They don't uh, depict them as, you know, having, you know, it, they were like uh, uh, octopi, you know, or cephalopods, right? So yeah. we could have made made them like 
uh, I don't know, bioluminescent squids, you know, and they have all these kind of like weird, uh, like lights going around them. But I think that, you know, that would have also been a distraction. You know, I think I see the point of using the mist, you know, in order to try to like hide them and in a way make make them more real. I see that as yeah. a Yeah, it's like very, cat people the old cat people movie where you never really see the cat people. Sure, and also I don't know. For some reason, I think that movie uh movie producers nowadays uh, feel that mist cre- gives a, a sense of reality. I don't know. The first time that <laughs> I saw uh, remember District 9? Yeah. This is the first time that I started to use. Uh, there is a term for it uh, that you use in, in when you use when you create CGI renderings that you cre- that you use the atmospheric mist. You know the the the, the way that the, the atmosphere, you know, kind of like dilutes or, or or fades away objects that are the farther away they are. Yeah, it's called atmospheric perspective. Yeah, exactly, atmospheric perspective and. It gives us a sense of reality, and 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 I see the movie producers in in, in in sci-fi movies using that more and more, you know, and it works, you know. I mean, even people who create uh, UFO fake videos on yeah. YouTube, you know, they realize that they could also use that in order to make a, a more convincing fake. So probably, maybe that's one of the reasons why they decided to 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 immerse the heptapods in this kind of like mist-like atmosphere, you know, gives more a sense of, you know, a thrilling chill whenever, you know, they get closer to 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 the this like uh, barrier that was put on between them and, 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 and the human characters. But I don't know, it, it, it worked, you know, I mean, yeah. it really keeps you chill the first time that, that yeah. you... That you see them, especially if, if, if I don't know if if I had seen the movie in an IMAX theater, I, I would probably jumped. <laughs> yeah, because the first time you see them, it's not it's very indistinct, and the next time it's slightly more distinct, and it gets more and more until it gets you know like by the third thing you kind of got an idea of what they look like, uh, a mm-hmm. much better idea. Um, and the, the the point you were making there is, I think that people like painters, uh, like Renaissance painters, and everybody after uh, them is you. Point. Yeah, is you have to see the air. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if you can see the air, it makes it a little bit more. It makes it a lot more realistic. Um, whether yeah. you can see air when you're, you know, actually looking at things or not, but the, but the uh, fooling your eye into it is a very important part of you know composing that scene or that picture or whatever you're trying to communicate to people. Mm-hmm. So what what. Uh, were there things in the movie that you actually didn't like? No. <laughs> wow. I'm I, I'm at pains to think of something that I didn't like. Oh, you know what? When you were describing this, the only thing that I didn't like, and it, they had to do it for the movie, they just can't. It would not been have been a, as compelling a movie. In the story, they don't go in the ship. I don't yeah, think right. they go in a tent that has a has a of a, a, a display in it. Mm-hmm. that I guess the aliens have given them or have put there or something like that. And it's like, they said yeah. it looks like, you know, it looks like a high definition display, but it doesn't even look like a display. It just looks like a window. It just looks like a piece of glass and the things are on the other side of it. Yeah, you're right. 
Um, but in this case, I mean, it, the, the fact that they did go into the ship was, I, I think that was the right decision. Yeah, me too. It has to, there's, there has to be that, uh, sense of, um, I don't know, danger or do, do, crossing into the, the unknown yeah it's, it's a journey you know the the, the way that they go and, and they put the uniforms and and you you listen to to amy adams uh, uh breathing and also that's an, also an, another little homage to stanley kubrick you know that's 2001 how they uh there is barely any sound in that movie but you only see how you know the, the you hear the breathing of David Bowman, you know, it becomes more agitated or, or more calm. Yeah, in that. a close-up. Um, when, it, when it switches to a medium shot or a long shot, totally silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because it's supposed to be out in space where there's a vacuum and you wouldn't hear it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Oh, you know what? The only thing that probably annoyed me was, um, and they, they had to do it too, was putting lights inside people's helmets so you could see their faces. That always annoys True. me. Usually they overdo it, though, and you have like this big bright face. But these were a little more subtle, I think, just like the whole movie. The whole movie was done with this soft touch. True. Like, left the story speak for itself. You know, it doesn't need it doesn't need Michael Bay's big explosions. Thank God. God, I hate Michael you know? Bay. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know... What about this idea that um, obviously this is a movie that that, that uh, uh, deals with uh, the fabled disclosure event, you know? Yeah. Oh, when, yeah. That's a know, whole other part of it. Yeah. But the fact that the world doesn't seem to have been that much disturbed by the presence of well, obviously during the 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 the, the crucial parts of the story, obviously there yeah there there's there's dangers of a conflagration, maybe even a, a, a world war. But then afterwards, you know, it seems that the world went about pretty much the same way that before they arrived. It does, but the fact that she becomes famous and teaches courses about it and writes that book about their language, it oh, the, the, yeah. the message of it, I think, is, you know, if these barriers of language and assuming what other people are thinking was uh, were, uh, ta- were were taken down, that maybe that the, you know, it's an old message, but maybe, the, you know, if, uh, if people realize they're all on the same team and that the barriers of the language were taken down and you took time to understand somebody else's language or whatever they were coming from, whether you agreed with them or not, that might be a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to agree with somebody, but more importantly, you don't have to make them live like you live um, to the point where you don't have to force them to, you might not like something they're doing, very deeply not like something they're doing, but what do you do about that? Do you make them change what they've been doing for thousands or hundreds or whatever of years because you don't like what they're doing? Just, and then, you know, a, 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 a hundred or a thousand or a million people die because of it. Maybe that's not worth it. <laughs> you know, uh, I think uh, it's it's too bad that my sister uh, uh, didn't have a chance to watch this movie. My sister is into edu- education, right? So she works into creating and, and, and discussing and preparing the the, the curricula 
of students in some schools because I feel that if a, if a teacher saw this movie, they will see the importance of adding languages, different languages into the curricula of young students, like yeah. as many languages as you can put into the given, you know, uh, semester schedule, right? Yeah. You know, not, not only one. Samplers. Not only, like, exactly, you know. You le- le- make them learn Spanish and French and, and English and maybe even, you know, go go crazy in Mandarin, Japanese, you know. It's, that would be even, I think, better, you know. You see how that would make the young brains of these students change. Right. You know, how cool will that be? Uh, apparently, it seems that now we're going to use uh, technology in order to to give us a crutch to make us, to try to relate with people who don't speak our languages. You know, you, you know that now Skype has the feature of uh, instant translation, which I think is great because I know that my mom or my dad are never going to be able to to learn English. You know, maybe I, I, I give them too little credit, but they probably, they don't are re- really interested in doing that. But at the same time, you know, that is going to be great. But at the same time, you know, what are we going to lose by not forcing our brains into trying to actually learn a different language. Yeah, well, a lot. I mean, it, the the point of the you know the point of the movie with this the sap here at war hypothesis, as we said earlier, is that it changes the way you think about things. And if you can experience another you know person's reality tunnel or whatever it is through their language, um, that mm-hmm. the, I don't think that could be a bad thing. Especially mm-hmm. very early on, not later when you closed off to it, like your your parents might be, because it's just like, it's like you know what what's what's the point at this point? And yeah. when you're younger, when you're a kid, everything is is especially very young. Everything's very important and amazing. I when I was in nursery school, they were teaching us French. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but no, in your kindergarten was it nursery school or kindergarten? But anyway. I remember I, my I don't remember doing it. My my mom said I'd come home and speak French to her, like little French phrases that she didn't understand. <laughs> but I, you know, it, it's not like an alien language either because it's it's so cl- it's a Western language. What would mm-hmm. be interesting is trying to see if people can understand. I mean, give a little bit of Hindi and 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 uh, and Japanese and Chinese and Thai and all these things and um, see how that changes people's brains later in life <laughs> yeah and, and well and, and obviously all these are uh, oral languages right right, you know, right. These are all uh, sounds that we emit mm-hmm. with the vocal cords you know in our throat and released by our mouths M- imagine if you taught kids more of a visual language you know a language made out of I don't know lights or hand movements, you know, or some kind of other, uh, yeah, semiotic, I guess, would be the the word, yeah, you know, yeah. semiotic structures, you know. How would that change them? 
This is what uh, people, uh, early 20th century art movements did. The Dadaists, the Fauvists, um, Cubists, all these people, they, in fact, Dada came from part of it. With the, the story was it's like one of the first words a child says. Exactly. Dada, yeah. So the, the, the point is that, the, you know, the imprints are not there at that point and that earlier, and yet um, uh, uh, Steve Ray pointed out, our friend Steve said language acquisition gets harder after age 12. Does it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a wrong assumption. What is? That that language is harder to attain after 12, you know. I remember that there was also a false presumption that, you know... Uh, I mean, for most neurons, people, maybe it is. Neurons would not, would not grow in the, in the human brain after a certain age. You know, I, I think after you were 16 years old. But now we learn that, yeah, you know, nerve cells continue to, to, to grow even if into adulthood. You know, it is possible to regenerate your brain and to and to create new connections. Maybe it's because we become lazy or something. But maybe if you manage to 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 grow, create the proper environment, you know, in which people, you know, kids are more, I don't know, more fluid. Yeah. To to their responses, you know, who knows? It couldn't hurt. I'm sorry. I, the, the, I am listening to you, reading the messages, looking at Facebook, doing all this stuff. So sometimes my, <laughs> Damn my it, Greg. yeah, sometimes my uh, my attention wanders. Oh, Steve said no. It's it's based on observation by linguists for decades. But the thing is, when did you learn English? When you were like twenty something? Like I always received English lessons. Oh, I now, see. If you are into private schools in Mexico, you receive English. Uh -huh. But you only receive, like, the most basic. And people, you know, I don't think that they progress beyond that. They don't see the need to, or they don't pursue it, you know, for whatever reason. I did pursue it. I did want to learn. You know, I, I forced myself to learn. So, yes, it's, it's something that I uh, started to actively do uh well beyond my my adolescence so you know i, I it's possible guys <laughs> yeah i'm living testament to it yeah everybody thinks they want to learn another language and it just seems like as you get older it'd be harder but the thing is you just have to immerse yourself how, do you want to describe how you learned it oh well mr rogers <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I've once in a while I tell somebody that uh, um, w without making it public. I just want to know if you want to. <laughs> Why? No, no, no. I don't mind. Oh, okay. I was a saint, and it helps. It really, it, it did really help. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Probably, if I were older now, probably will be using. I don't know, Peppa Pig. Or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, you have to actually, you know humble yourself into trying to use the stuff for children you know uh, go to the ropes uh, be patient you know not go into a rush maybe yeah. that's maybe that's the thing that prevents adults from from really going into learning a language because they want it right away yeah the impatience is something that gets ingrained once you get old because I don't know I guess you have 
you 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 see time as a commodity and well yeah. it is in a way you know in especially in our society right yeah time is money uh-huh. they keep telling us that uh-huh. over and over again <laughs> and and there, there, there's no way around it you know i mean as you grow older you know every every breath we're taking right now is one less breath that we have you know in our stockpile of breaths you know until we finally run out of it right but but you know, with with kids, there's no, there is none of that, you know. There's like, you have all the time in the world yeah, to learn it, something. Yeah, it's it's not even an issue. Exactly, you know. I mean, you go into it and you immerse yourself into it, and you, you know, you stay at it as long as it takes. I guess, you know. I mean, and, and kids, if you are, if they're into something, they can be. Oh, they get obsessed with it. Exactly, and they can be there like you know for hours. You know, they have become fanatics. You know, that's that. I think that there there's something about that that might might help. And, and uh, well, it also helps to be something that you are really passionate about. Right. You know, I mean, I, and and I became passionate about the English language. I know, I I, I discovered its beauty. That discovered that something that I really wanted to to get really good at. Not only, I mean, and 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 not even the the the, the possible economic interest that it would it could entail. Because, well, here in Mexico, if you English is is a good asset for your curriculum, let me tell you. Ah. so the, the, that wasn't Still. really my concern. Yeah, it's still, yeah, of course, you know. But that wasn't really my, my main concern. My main concern was because I wanted to learn it because I wanted to learn it. Not not because of, oh, man, yeah, I could get, you know, uh, into a management position if, if I can manage to learn. <laughs> yeah, obviously, obviously I, I, I do put that in my resume, you know, yeah. like, you know, whatever. Yeah, fluent, completely fluent in English. I'm not that fluent. Well, still. you know what? It, you're more fluent than some some native speakers, actually. Uh, Serena says RPJ's English is excellent, especially consider those concepts that he speaks about. Yeah, um, but it's still there's there's a hinge there. There's still um, a gap, a gap that I may never be able to cross, and maybe that is something to do with uh, I don't know. Uh, environment on, 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 or the way that your brain uh, gets wired. At, I guess uh, so. Well, if you lived so. here for like six months or a year, I think that would, I think that would disappear. You would, you'd be immersed in it. And, uh, cause every once in a while Completely, you'll, you'll yeah. say or write something I know is wrong. And it's, I will correct you because I know you're not being insulted by it. You just, you just kind of, Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Now I got that little one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. God, I forgot what I was going to say. It was such a cool thing, too. Oh, well, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's because I was listening to you. Um, Anything else about the film? I mean, is there anything, any part of it you didn't like or thought was wrong or they could have done better or was missing or? You know, no. I mean, it was a really cool uh, maybe the. It the wasn't part, perfect, but I don't care. The part in which uh, <laughs> she, she she's actually now t- 
talking fully with uh, one of the heptapods, I think it was with Abbott. And when, like, Abbott, like, tell, tells her, you know, like, Amy now sees into, or Linda, I, I don't remember. Whatever her remember name what. was. She, she gets, the, the, um, the, the Abbott is the name, they give the name to one of the, uh, one of the ANs, they call him Abbott and Costello. I think in the story it was yeah. like Raspberry and something else, I can't remember. Something like that, yeah, but about the Costello, I think it worked. Yeah, better. that was a lot better. And how the alien tells her now you can see into the future but like like what's established here you know i think i don't think the alien will see say that because for them past present and future wouldn't wouldn't have uh, any actual meaning you know it will be concepts they wouldn't understand i i understand why they said that because they needed to explain that to the audience Otherwise, everybody will keep saying, what the fuck? What, what, what's with all these flashbacks? The only they say is, oh, yeah, you know, okay, now we're, okay, now it's, you click it. But I don't think the alien will, will say, say it that, that way. Say it which way? Repeat what you said. That, that you, the alien is stating, now, now you can see the future. Oh, no, no, like, no. They would never, they, they didn't say that, did they? I think they, well... That's what they put in the subtitles here. In yeah, yeah. Okay. If if there was if there was a complaint, I would have that would be one. If, I can't remember exactly if they said because there were when they when they're when they're putting those when she's you know in the ship there or whatever it is by herself and they're putting those ti- they actually put subtitles up for their for the glyphs for the for the alien yeah. language. Yeah, yeah. And if they actually came right out and said, you can see the future now, that would kind of irritate me. And I don't remember being irritated by that. So maybe it didn't, you know, maybe they didn't have that here. I can't remember. Hmm. Yeah, but other than that, you know, I mean, it was a really, really good movie. Like you said, you know, the, man, the, the way that they managed to tone it down, you know, just the right amount of special effects. Yep. Just the right amount of explanation. and. Let the story speak for itself. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, I mean, I think that even my, my, my sisters who are not into sci-fi, they will see the emotional component of the arc mm-hmm. of this woman, you know, and, and the story of, the, of, 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 of her child. And they will appreciate that. Yeah. And I mean, that the, 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 the emotional human component of it, you yeah. know, that, that I think that also stood out. It's, it's not, Definitely not the typical uh, sci-fi movie. I mean, it doesn't start like with the typical uh, music, like da da da. Yeah. No, it started with a very mellow music and like, what the fuck, you know? These uh, scenes of you know the kids running around. And we'll say, I'm sure that half the audience will say, Are you sure we're in the right theater? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did we go into the wrong hall here? <laughs> uh, Steve says, I, I thought the translation was, you have the tool, and Dr. Banks had to figure out what they meant. Serena said, maybe where they said unlock time, and she needs to see it again. Oh, uh, uh, listener John says, I love RPA's, RPJ's on-air voice. He sounds like the most mysterious man in the world, so it's fitting he should be on Radio Mysterioso. <laughs> and I wish I had that, the, that guy's beard. Well, you're just going to have to start putting like a flower in your beard at the right places, so you look all distinguished, distinguishedly old. To me, 
I, I told you this when we met. You sort of you, you kind of remind me of Esquivel because of your glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Esqu- I think I showed you what. Uh, what's his name? Juan something Esquivel. The 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 you know space age bachelor pad music dude from the fifties sixties. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. amazing music. I mean, I think I'll play some when the show's over. But um, after I play whatever you want, mm-hmm. there was a perfect balance of. I'll say it this way: it was a perfect left and right brain balance <laughs> going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Seth. The other thing I say about Kubrick is that Kubrick is very cerebral, but not very emotional. His emotions every every time I see his emotions, they seem to be buried under a ton of ideas. Mm-hmm. This movie had a perfect balance between emotion and ideas, and they played off of each other just like a well-balanced human brain should. Well said. Well said. Yeah. yeah? God damn it. I need to watch this movie. <laughs> I got to go see it before it's out of the theater. John Greenwald, the uh, um, researcher guy, uh, Black Vault, he, he uh, put something up on Facebook. He got a, he's, I guess I mean, he's a member of the Producers Guild, so they sent him a, a DVD of it, that asshole. Oh, you. <laughs> you some bastards. <laughs> I know a couple people that may be that may have copies. I, I want to see. Otherwise, I'll probably just no, go. I, I, I'll wait for the Blu-ray, you know, yeah. and I'll get it, and I will be and will be uh, another proud addition to my collection, you know. Yeah. Alongside with Interstellar, I need to get in contact. You know, there's. I mean, contact is another one of my favorite favorite stories about you know interaction with humans and. Interestingly enough, it's another way in which the, uh, there is the, the protagonist happens to be a, a, a woman. You know, makes you wonder. You know, if that's the best approach. You know, trying to to maybe a woman will be be- better equipped to try to have a, the first official interaction with. Uh, with an alien species, not that I really think it's going to happen. I think that I think what we, we already discussed how uh, what I think is happening is some kind of grassroots type of contact. You know, that I was a contact that's coming from the from the bottom up instead of the top down. But yes, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah that Whitley Strieber idea. Yeah, but maybe women, you know, manage they manage to be better balanced into into getting all of this. Yeah. I think I might agree with you on that. Hey, what do you make of the, um, remember at the end, they just like threw like eight zillion glyphs at her at once. Yeah. What was going on there? What I understood is that that was like, uh, one twelfth of their complete vocabulary. Oh, okay. And I think they just wanted to say, here's everything, figure it out later. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know. Oh, what, that's why she like, wrote the book. That's why she wrote the book. Yeah. And that's why the guy, you know, who ended up being his uh, his husband, her husband, sorry. Yeah. You know, said, you know, I figured out that this is, you know. He managed to find the time glyph in all of these, uh, you know, thrown out, of, uh, like, almost like willy-nilly. And then he came out somehow to the conclusion that this was one. 12th 
one of 12 of a, of a complete, uh, I don't know, iteration, iteration or a group. Right. So, yeah, that, the point is that they need the complete set, set. You know, they're forcing humanity to share, you know, they, they don't do that to give all the information or, or else it's not complete. Yeah. Maybe one of the things, yeah, the other things that kind of bother me is that there was certainly a bit of a, maybe a mild propaganda in the fact that they show <laughs> all the chaos produced by the alien ship in Venezuela. You know, and, and Venezuela is a country that now is not in the in the friends list of the United States. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For good or bad reasons, whatever, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing you know, is they show the Chinese being really nasty and 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 militaristic about it, but then they're the ones that they're they're the key to having it all fixed at the end. Yeah, true. Very strange, but yeah, the oh, uh, and they have the Russians, you know, actually, you know, shooting one of their translators. Oh, right, right. Because they tried so to there's that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess well, it's it's there's a little uh, digs. The zeitgeist of the era, you know, what are, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, they have to put it into a context that people can relate to, and that's the context that we are immersed in, you know what I mean, for good or ill. But I like the idea, you know, they, they, they did show a very veiled proposition that the world had become more united because of the... The arrival of the aliens, and apparently because also of the the introduction of their language. Yeah, because it was a it was a a way to you know one of the simple messages of this was it was a way to show people a different perspective so that you could see what you're you know. It was like it was like um, pulling us out of the two dimensions that we live into another one just to see look down on this. This is our perspective of what you're doing. You you look at it too. Look look at this. You know, like the like the uh, like when you go on a DMT thing and the the uh, the, the self transforming machine elves are trying to show you how they see things, so you can see that something from a different point of view, and therefore come back to your world with a more enhanced view of how you relate to others and to your world and to maybe even other realities. Yeah, and I love that. You know, now that you are mentioning that. Uh, I love how you know, you know in the in, in the movie the goal or the drive behind trying to understand the alien language is like in the movie context. Well, you know maybe they want to give us the blueprints of some kind of machine, you know, some kind of warp drive or some kind of like super weapon or some kind of like clean energy, the cure for cancer, yada yada yada. Yeah, and in the end. You know, it's the story that, no, 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 their whole gift was the language itself. And yeah. that reminds me of what you just said, how Ernest McKenna used to say that when you go and to, into a DMT trip, the only thing that you, you are able to bring back from that realm are ideas. Yeah. But that in itself is enough because the ideas... If they manage to take root into our world, they can change it. Right. Yes. So ideas that, are very that, important. 
So that's the beauty of that, you know, of, of, of how they say, well, you know, only the language and with the language they can, you know, the aliens are not only giving us the, the chance to finally, you know, unite humanity once for all, but they also, you know, upgrade or the, the, the brains of the human species and to give us a jump start into our next stage in, evol- in evolution. Yeah. And to bring it about, you know, since we've got, what, uh, seven minutes left here or eight or whatever, to bring it back to our, you know, original discussion here, if you get an idea about the paranormal, I suppose, or anything that seems to work, it catches on. That that idea catches on and it can change things. That's yeah. what people say. Why do you do this stuff? You know, how is anybody, you know, how is anybody ever going to stand? And it's just a bunch of stupid people interested in this stuff. I think that if an idea that changes people's minds about how they look at themselves and reality around them and all that, if that takes hold out of this or it takes hold outside of the paranormal, you know, people that are interested in the paranormal and it can affect it, that will be a very important thing. Either one way or the other. I mean, going out of the paranormal because somebody says, wow, this is because the way we see the reason we see this weird thing is because we think it's weird because we've been looking at it in the wrong way. That would be important for the you know the society at large, or if the society at large or some scientist says, "Look, this is how reality looks." Then some everybody looking at ghosts and UFOs and all that go, "Oh, okay, that makes total sense." <laughs> In yeah. light of what you know, if we look at it from that perspective, now this looks you know this, this looks like it makes sense, like like the uh, information thing I've been going on about. So you know, if the world's made, if the reality's made up of information, reordered information, weird stuff can happen, no problem. But if it's made up of a classical nineteenth-century Aristotelian physics, no, the weird stuff doesn't work. That's just one idea. But I love that idea that the fact that if we keep um, adding more uh, stuff into our vocabulary, you know, then all these elements. All these things that used to happen all around us that were just incomprehensible, well, they become a little more understandable, you know. And yeah, you know, it could be things that are added into our culture because of adva- or because of uh, advancements in science. Now we can use things like, you know, relativity or you know quantum theory maybe even overuse it you know <laughs> that's yeah. definitely definitely something that happens in the in the paranormal realm they want to use quantum mechanics for everything but i understand you know that the same thing that 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 the theosophists overused the term of the ether you yeah. know uh, back in the 19th century but yeah it's adding things into our vocabulary and then all these uh, elements, all these new worlds, and all these new metaphors help us try to make sense of the world, and uh, you know, by changing our per- perception and, in a way, you know, ultimately changing our changing ourselves. That's another reason why I like the movie. It's like it made me very emotional because the ideas were exciting, and I guess I'm just mm-hmm. that kind of person. An idea can excite me emotionally. Even if it's just a way, a different way of thinking about things. Well, even if I mean that—that's the—that's the ultimate thing. I was like, I never saw it from that perspective before. Boom, you know, and that—I guess—that's the expression, blowing your mind. Yeah, I think you know, ideas should get you emotionally. Ideas are 
are the things that uh, cultures are made of. You know, the moment that an idea is born, a new culture arises. And then the moment that an idea uh, is disregarded or dies out, you know, it's the moment that a culture is officially dead, you know, and stagnant. And uh, yeah, I mean, who weeps for, for, who weeps for the death of ideas in our world? You know? Yeah, they do, but it's way too late, you know? <laughs> I think, and the other well, ideas, thing is, ideas have to evolve. They can't, I mean, that, that, that old Bill Hicks thing, you can't, you can't just run something on the same idea forever. It has to evolve as, and, and change as, uh, to reflect new reality or the way people feel or interact with each other or whatever. Yeah, an idea has to be alive. An right. idea exactly. has yeah. to inhabit as many minds as it can. It's almost like a virus. You know? Well, I mean... Yeah, language is uh, a virus with William Burroughs. Yeah, sure. Uh, language is a virus. That's ter- what Terence McKenna used to say. You know, and there's the, also the concept of, of the memes, you know, so that's the way that ideas... that it's a, it's a proper metaphor of how ideas can propagate from mind to mind and culture to culture. Yeah, but... Yeah, obviously, that it's it, it talks about a living process. It talks about something that uh, requires energy and requires a, cer- a certain momentum. You know, yeah, that, that, ideas cannot be stagnant. They're like sharks. You know, they have to keep in motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there something else you wanted to talk about, or you um, do you want to pick a song? Let's pick a song. Okay, you pick a song, and then after that, I'll, what did I say? One? Oh, Esquivel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have. Uh, Asked for this song already on, on Radio Misterioso, but this is a song from a Mexican group called Caifanes, and it's called Afuera. Oh, Caifanes Afuera. I think we've, I think I might have played this before. Oh, um, one of the listeners, John, asked if you... <laughs> let me see. He wanted you to say... Um, like you, usually, you know, when people say you get somebody famous on, it's like this is so and so, and you're listening to Radio Mysterio. So he says, if you have time before the show ends, could you ask RPJ to say, I don't always listen to paranormal podcasts, but when I do, I prefer Radio Misterioso. Oh my god! <laughs> and now I'm going. I know I'm going to screw it up. Okay. Well, give the, me a moment. Don't worry about it. Just, just, just uh, think about something else while you say it. Okay. You know, my friends, I don't always listen to paranormal podcasts, but when I do, I listen to Radio Misterioso. Stay weird, my friends. <laughs> okay, that was good. <laughs> See, you did not only did you not screw it up, you added the perfect ending. Okay, um, I'll play. Um... Uh, afuera, which means before? No. Outside. Outside by Caifanes. And uh, thanks, uh, Miguel, for being on the show, and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. And thanks, everybody, for listening, and everybody for uh, commenting in the uh, chat there on the, the side of the window. Um, Serena says, thanks, RPJ and Greg. Um, yeah, and she really liked it. <laughs> the uh, The... Your uh, plug there. I've, I got to use okay. it for. I'm going to use it somehow. All right. <laughs> Here, here's Caifanes with the uh, afuera outside. There we go. 
te puede pasar y de repente estás muy solo. Tener 